It's Friday, February 23rd. Tonight, the narrators curate untitled Final Fridays at the Denver Art Museum. There will be true stories inspired by the art exhibitions at the museum, live illustrations, audio tours, listening stations, zine making with Denver Zine Library, photos by From the Hip Photo, a dance party with Funk Club. There'll be interactive exhibits and much, much more. The event runs from 6 to 10 p.m., and all activities are included with your museum admission. We'll see you there tonight. Next storyteller. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Arthur Salm is the former book review editor and columnist for the San Diego Union Tribune. He told this story at Tiger Tiger Tavern on February 13th, 2018. The theme was warning signs. Um. On May 19th, 2001, 26 men and women walked from northern Mexico across the border into southern Arizona, illegally. In the next three days, it's estimated that the, uh, the floor temperature of the desert reached 130 degrees. A few days later, uh, some border patrolmen found a couple of uh, dying men um, out of their minds with dehydration and, and their brains fried. They were, um, um, it was hard for, to understand, but they made it clear to the border patrol that there were other people out there. The border patrol um, swung into action. I mean, border control, control can be the bad guys, but... They worked pretty much 36 hours straight and pulled a lot of people out of the desert and saved their lives. But 14 men died. It was the biggest um, mass death in the history of the border. I should say the biggest known math, mass death in the history of the border. Um, this, this was in 2001. In 2004, uh, Luis Alberto Araya. Luis Araya was born in Tijuana. He grew up in San Diego. Graduated from UCSD, he is now a um, professor of um, creative writing at the University of Illinois. He's written a number of books, but he wrote a nonfiction book called The Devil's Highway um, that tells this story of the lost people in the desert, the people who died, the people who survived, the people who tried to, the Border Patrol who tried to save them and did save a lot of them. Um, and um, I was the book review editor at the Union Tribune, and I, I knew Luis, and he was coming from Illinois to um, give a talk uh, at the University of Arizona in Tucson, a talk about the Devil's Highway, and I got an idea that I should go to Tucson, interview him, um, maybe go out in the desert with him and get a feel for what had happened, and, and this was approved. So a photographer and I, a UT photographer named Ernie Grafton and I flew to Tucson, we met up with Luis, and the idea was, um, we're, uh, I, rented an R- I rented an RV, we're going to drive out into the desert, into the area where these people were lost, and I'll interview Luis, we'll check out the landscape, Ernie will shoot some, and we'll have a story. So we set out the next day, but it turned out there were going to be two cars, because a friend of um, Luis's, uh, named a Mexican film, filmmaker named Rudy Joffroy, and some of his friends were coming along with us, so that we were kind of a two-car caravan. So I was driving uh, behind, I was following um, following Rudy, and we went down to the border, uh, and the idea is we're going to go down to the border, make a right, and head west, and just sort of drive along the border, and get a feel of what 
the land looks like, but I kept following Rudy, and at one point, I turned to Ernie, and I said, are we in Mexico? And he said, yeah, I think so. Um, Rudy had taken it upon himself to drive into the town of Sasaba, which is a very tiny uh, Mexican village uh, just on the other side of the border, and uh, because he had heard that Right outside of Sasabe, there were uh, um, some trailers um, that housed Grupo, Grupo Beta, Group B, which is some Mexican cops. Now, these are unarmed Mexican cops. And what they're there for is to help the people who cross the border to keep them from being robbed, to, to uh, explain to them what they can do in the desert to stay alive. Um, they were unarmed because there are lots of narcos around and they're very dangerous people. And the people who bring in the immigrants by the thousands are very dangerous people. And the Grupo Beta being unarmed was signaling to them, we're not after you, leave us alone, we're cool. Do whatever you want, we don't care. So while we're talking to Grupo Beta, one of the Grupo Beta guys says, yeah, one of the, um, one of the vans that came in yesterday, um, 14-year-old girl was dead. Um, we've got her body in one of the trailers. You want to see it? And I said, I thought, you know, I think I can do this story without seeing a dead 14-year-old girl. I think I could go the rest of my life without seeing a dead 14-year-old girl. I said, no, that, that, that's okay. That's okay. So then Rudy convinced Grupo Beta to escort us to um, La Ladiria, which I've, I've forgotten the word. It means the brickyard. Because south of Sasabe, there's an abandoned brickyard. And in this abandoned brickyard, this abandoned brickyard is a staging area for where they bring in hundreds of people every day to wait to cross the border. And he said, it's really dangerous to go there. But they're not expecting us. And the bad guys don't come in until later in the afternoon. So let's just go. And uh, my photographer, Ernie, had been a 20-year gunnery sergeant in the, Marine, uh, in the Marines and was a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and had, um, he'd, he's a photojournalist, he'd been to Afghanistan and Iraq, and I looked at Ernie, and I figured, as long as Ernie's cool, I'm cool. So Ernie said, let's go. So we drove over the hills. This is desert. This is, this is Ocotillo, uh, mesquite, cactus. Terrible, terrible um, uh, landscape. And we went to the brickyard. There were a few piles of dissolving bricks and a few shacks where a wall had been knocked down, a uh, kind of a counter made, and behind the counter were, they were selling bottles of water and light jackets and little backpacks at wildly inflated prices for the immigrants who were going to come in. And we got there about 10 o'clock, and they said, yeah, 15, 20 minutes, they'll, be, they'll start coming. So we waited around a little bit, and I looked off in the distance, and there's a little trail of dust on the horizon, like a, something you'd see in a movie. And it got closer and closer, and a van pulled up. And the van opened up, and there were 20 people in, packed into that van. They'd been traveling for about two or three days. Uh, you know the expression, a thousand-yard stare, where somebody is just so tired, exhausted, wiped out, they're just kind of blank. These people had about a 200-yard stare at this point, but they were near exhaustion, and their trip was just beginning. Another van pulled up. Another van came, another van came, another van came, another van came. There were more than 120, 130 people there by this point. Uh, 
all of them pouring out of these vans, all of them exhausted, Most, mostly men, but a few women. The Grupo Beta cops gathered them together and gave them instructions on how to stay alive, take some water, take as much water as you can carry, um, do this, do that. I, my Spanish isn't that good. I couldn't, I couldn't pick all of it up, but they were giving them instructions. Um, Luis uh, talked to them, and he, they, they didn't want to talk to me, a gringo reporter, but they talked to Luis. Luis said, these people are from Oaxaca. They've never seen anything like this. They don't know what a desert is. They have no idea what they're in for. Tomorrow, the next day, a lot of these people could be dead. So we hung around for a few more minutes. Ernie's shooting pictures, and uh, one of the Grupo Beta cops guys comes up and says, okay, um, there's a guy sitting in a truck about 25 yards away, and uh, we don't like the looks of him, and the hard guys, the bad guys, are going to be coming pretty soon, and you need to leave now, which was fine with me. Um, we got back in our vans, our, our RVs, we drove back through Sasabe, crossed over the border into the U.S., and then we headed west for about five, ten miles, um, just along the border. The border was, there's a, uh, this was in 1990, uh, 2004. There was a fence, there was a, uh, a barbed wire fence, which is to say there was a single strand of barbed wire, sometimes. Otherwise it was just, yeah, well that's Mexico, there's the United States. There were also, and occasionally there was a little metal sign stuck in the ground. It said, one word, peligro, danger. That's all it said. Just facing into Mexico for the people crossing this way. Peligro, danger. We drove around for about four or five miles, and then Luis was giving his talk at the University of Tucson that, that night. He was already getting um, into the afternoon, so we headed back up to Tucson, rested some. Um... Luis talked to about 100 people um, in a lecture hall, and it was getting dusk. And as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, those people we saw today, they've been packed back into the vans. They've been taken five miles, 10 miles, 40 miles, or maybe 10 miles, 50 miles east instead of west, where they're going to be let off. Then they're going to walk all night through the choya and the cactus, and the rattlers, and the thieves, and the scorpions. And then they're going to wait out the next day. They'll find a little valley, and they'll look for some shade, and they'll wait for nightfall again. And then they'll walk all night again. And if they're lucky, they'll disappear. They'll find their pickup spot, and they'll disappear into the American workforce. If they're unlucky, the Border Patrol will get them. If they're really unlucky, they'll die. Because the guia, the guide, um, I learned that the coyote is sort of a one step up. The guide is the guy who takes them. There's, there's a bunch of hills. You go through these two hills, it takes you to your pickup spot. You go through these two hills, you're lost and you die. This happens a lot. So I was thinking as Luis is giving his talk, these people are starting their trip across the desert all night long. The next morning, Ernie and I got up early. Um, we got up early to... Um, oh, oh, I forgot something. I'm going to go back. <laughs> One thing I forgot. Uh, three or four years later, I was having dinner with Luis at his agent's house in... Um, his literary agent's house in Del Mar. And Luis said, oh yeah, I didn't tell you something about that uh, trip to the brickyard. He said, uh, 
one of the Grupo Beta guys said, uh, you see those borders, those boulders over there? Um, if the coyotes come, you might want to hide behind those borders, those boulders while they're killing your friends. And I said, yeah, Luis, I'm glad you didn't, I'm glad you didn't tell me that, that that particular day. That was, that would have been too much information. Um, so the next, Ernie and I got up early the next day, um, and went to the airport. And, um, I had checked the weather. Uh, last night was 37 degrees in Tucson, probably colder on the desert floor. Um, temperature the next day was going to be 89 in Tucson, probably hotter on the desert floor. And as we were making our way through the airport, those people were hunkered down in shadows, if they could find shadow, um, hiding, waiting for nightfall when they'd walk another night and maybe another day and another night. And as we're going toward the plane, I started thinking, has there ever been, no, there has never been a time in my life when I have just walked by a sign that said danger. Have you? Or more to the point, have you ever had to? Thank you. Arthur Salomiel. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>